A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode. And not that any episode is just an episode. This one is a really, really special landmark episode. And why do I say that? I say that because it's episode not 100, not 200, not 300, episode 400 listeners, a phenomenal achievement. And in a relatively short space of time, there has been a a whole myriad of guests you know, some with what the world might call well-known names, others less so. We're not bothered about those labels at all. We really do not care about those labels, whether those guests have been rich and famous or, you know, Mr. Jones next door, so to speak. So to help us celebrate, I've got an absolutely fascinating guest, Titan Gilroy from Texas in the United States of America, Without further ado, Titan, an extremely warm welcome to you, sir. Hey, Paul, thank you very much. It is an honor to be here. And uh, hey, congratulations on 400. That is a huge number. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's kind of four tenths of the way there to the big 1K, but, um, you know, from relative small acorns. It's um, incredible. Yeah. So celebrations then, Titan, because obviously as your story unfolds and you share it with us and and the listeners, um, it's going to be rich and it's going to be very colourful. I know it is. But celebration moments, I mean, what does that mean to you? Because you've been through a hell of a lot in your life. Do you still celebrate, for example? Well, I think you have to celebrate on a daily basis. You know, the, the large, you know, triumphs, the small triumphs, and just, you know, just all the good things in life. You know, we have one life and, a, and then we're gone. So, hey, let's enjoy it, right? Absolutely. Can you remember, Titan, what your first celebration was? Maybe as a little kid, I don't know, your your fourth, fifth, tenth birthday or, or whatever. Okay. Have you got any memories of what that is or was? <laughs> you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I as you know, I, I grew up very poor with, uh, like, no money. We were uh, homeless on the beach and, Finally, I got to school and my, my mom actually, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but basically the entire, uh, everybody, the entire class was going to another island on a field trip. I was in the fourth grade and there's no way that I would be able to go. And my mom's boyfriend walked into my classroom and handed $50 to the teacher uh, so that I could actually go on this plane trip. And I remember that being like one of the greatest things in my early childhood because uh, I didn't think that it was, it was possible and everybody was going to put me. So yeah, last minute. Yeah. So just for the conversion, um, fourth grade, what roughly age group does that put you in roughly? Uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years old. 10. Yeah. 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 Obviously in the UK with kind of, that's one thing really, I suppose, listeners, I should know, because when you look at this celebration episode of 400 and the amount of American, our American cousins that have been on as guests, 
there has been a very, very significant amount. So maybe me as the host, I need to do a little bit more homework and, and get one or two basics in place and understanding that. But um, I think there's more important things in life, Titan, than, uh, you know, getting the sort of semantics of the educational system uh, off down pat. So what about that? I mean, you know, as you was growing up as a child, as you say, you, you come from a poor background. We've spoke about this a little bit off air. Um, you know, I know for me, let, let me take the bull by the horns tight, if I may. I know that very, very poor, you know, just having some, you know, like two coats to put down as goalposts and scoring the winning goal at Wembley, which was a humble council estate, very poor. It wasn't even a football, it was a tin can. But if you got it between those two, two coats, boy, you was a hero and that was a celebration. And I could still remember my first goal I scored, inverted commas, when I was eight and a half with that tin can. I had a bruised toe for a week, but it was worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's definitely a win. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, anything sort of that really sticks in your mind, Titan, over the years at any age? Because I think, as you said, we kind of, we don't realise, do we, as humans? Because we just get on with life, don't we? We just get on with it. And it's very rare from my experience, personally, I'm speaking to a multitude of guests that we celebrate those wins. Just get on with it, don't we? And maybe, just maybe, we need to slow things down a bit and celebrate those victories. Yeah, you know, I think that victories become more special when it's about other people, your loved ones, uh, people in your community. And uh, I think when, when we're younger and uh, a little bit more immature, it's, it's all about self and, and, and winning for self. But as you get older and you, you go through the different levels of life, you, it evolves to a point where when you see, when you see people, you know, benefit for something that maybe you had uh, taken part in and you see them rising up in life, then that's when in those wins become even more special, you know? So, you know, seeing your family happy and uh, excited because of something that, that you were able to do for them or, you know, the team at your company or, you know, just the community, you know, where we're in the prison system where, you know, we've got all the schools and all that. So, you know, we'll go into more detail. But now when I see all the students around the world rising up and I see lives changing, that is what truly makes me happy now. That's, those are the wins that are the most valuable. You mentioned the key word there, Titan, prison. Do you, and we'll come on to that more in, in a moment, do you feel that the more life has kicked you hard, and the more you've rose from the gutter, the more you celebrate your victories and you realise the significance of how important they are. Rather than, you know, I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here, just sailing through life, not really expect, uh, experiencing too many highs, not really experiencing too many highs. You know, life's okay. The biggest challenge I've had is sometimes when it rains, maybe. But the well, more I, I think... I think I think in life a lot of things have to kick you for you to not take things for granted. You know, I mean, you might have you know a husband and the wife leaves, and until that moment he was taking her for granted. But at the moment that is gone, then they're trying to get it back and will change the whole world to make it you know get back to normal, right? And it's the same thing when your freedom is taken from you because you did something wrong and you go to prison. It is a hard reality that hits you so hard in the face that, uh, yeah, 
it, it, it's over. So when you do come out, hopefully, you know, you have been rehabilitated in a way that you can say, hey, this is the good, this is the bad. I'm going to focus on the good. I'm not going to take anything for granted. And I'm going to help and serve my community and do as much as I can to, you know, be a better person in life, be a better human being, you know? So mm. I guess that's what it's about. And you really can tell the um, tell an authentic tale on that one, Titan, can you not, about the prison? Um, do you want to just give us an insight and share what you feel <laughs> appropriate to share about your your journey from what I would term loosely pain? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I have a, a pretty uh, crazy story, and I would say just to, you know, kind of like streamline it a little bit, my mom actually uh, was abused by my father, and my father was an alcoholic, and he basically beat my mother on a daily basis, and she would literally escape, and he would find her and bring her back, and, and one day, instead of just moving to the next town or state, she actually took us, took me and my sister to Hawaii, and uh, she had a place set up, and everything fell through and we had nothing. So we ended up going to the beach and camping out and just becoming homeless on the beach and stuff. And, you know, I just, I grew up in the islands in Hawaii. So this is in Maui, Hawaii. And uh, I was the only, you know, white kid in around and stuff. So I just grew up with a lot of different nationalities and, you know, just got picked on a lot and kind of suffered through grade school. And, uh, and then I started fighting, you know, and yeah. And, and, Fighting became my life. I had hundreds of street fights and I actually got um, signed by George Foreman's uh, trainer and who actually took me to uh, Oakland, California from Hawaii because of my street fighting ability. But one day I would go to a nightclub, fights would break out. And just like I'd done a million times before, somebody pushed me back and I hit somebody and they went back and hit their head on the concrete and I got 16 years in prison and uh, yeah, it changed, changed the course of my entire life. And yeah. Wow. Um, so did you have to serve the full 16 years? No, I, I served three years. So you basically are given a minimum with, with I was 22 and I didn't have a record as an, uh, you know, as an adult, I didn't have a record. So they give you a minimum sentence. And if you're good during those uh, three years, then the next you'll serve the rest of the time on parole. And uh, basically, depending on how many times, <clears throat> how many times you've been in trouble, um, your minimum will go up. And if you've been in trouble many times, you'll, it'll be a mandatory, you know, so since I had not been in trouble, yeah, wow. I just served the three and got out and went to yeah, went right back to um, boxing in Vegas, the top-ranked boxing, biggest venue in the world, you know, Bob Arum. Mm. What was it like inside time? What were those, and I'm going to introduce the, the dirty four-letter F word here. What was the fear like in prison as a young man for the first time? Uh, I'm a, I was a fighter, right? A very fearless and the, the fear for me going to prison wasn't what it was for most people because there's a lot of bad things that happen in prison to people. Um, my, my fear was just that I had a good head on my shoulders and I just ruined my life, you know, and I ruined other people's lives, my family's life. And 
I had just uh, made the biggest mistake and there was no coming back from it. So just the, the, the utter feeling that I know what's inside me and now I'm in a place that's going to bring that out. And even though I got 16 years and I possibly can get out in three if I make one mistake, which I probably will, like I'm going to be in there forever. So just knowing like this, I had all these dreams and aspirations and right today, like it is, it's, it's almost like a death, you know, because you're like, there's nothing more. Like that's it. Life is completely over. There's no hope. And uh, yeah, I just wish I could like tap out right now and figure out how to actually end it because if I'm not going to go there, like, why even be around? You know what I mean? Mm. So what would you do now then, Titan, if a young, a young metaphoric Titan come to you, a 21, 22-year-old young man and said, Titan, I'm in this, you know, I'm in this jam. This is what I'm looking at. I've made a, what the outside world might judge or label as a mistake, and I'm going to end up doing some time for it. My life's over, full of despair, darkness. What would be your advice there, Titan? Yeah, my, like I think that in in life we we all go through valleys and um, tribulations and trials um, at different you know levels and stuff. And my my advice would be, hey, I was right where you're at. I know exactly what you're going through, and you're gonna you're gonna come when you go into that prison. You're gonna come against negative and positive. You need to surround yourself with the positive. You need to take on every single opportunity to raise your life and skill level. And, and take every class that you can take and you need to, you know, do everything you can to better yourself as a human being while being in there. And, and it will be inevitable that when you go before the board, they will actually let you out. And you think that you're in there forever, but trust me, one day you will be out and life will still be long and it, you'll still have opportunities, but it's, uh, it's what you make it. So don't get lost. Don't get lost in the destruction that comes with prison. Take it as an opportunity to find yourself and grow and and move on. And you know, I ended up getting out. And I then I, you know, I ended up. I, I had no money. I had no future. I had no like. You know, I, my family didn't have money or anything like that. So what would I ever do besides like using my fence, right? And. But I walked into manufacturing, I walked into the CNC machining, and all of a sudden my head clicked with something I didn't even know existed, and it changed the course of my life. And, uh, you know, one day I would like, you know, I started, I started, I'm in manufacturing, like CNC machining, it's computer numerical control. So when you look at mills and lathes, you know, machinery that actually builds everything from the floors to every toy that you have, every car, you know, the, house, the tools that make your house and all that. I work with those machines and uh, yeah, we build rocket parts for Elon Musk and, you know, Jeff Bezos and used to be in prison. And now we're like making parts to go to space and now, and now I'm teaching the world about it, you know, but I didn't know that that existed. Right. I walked in at $9 an hour and my head clicked on these robotic machines. And then I went, I started solving the right problems for my employer. And then that, that fearlessness I had in prison, the fearlessness I had on the street, I simply cool under pressure, made the machines run faster and more efficient than anybody else, which took production time down, made the company, the companies I worked for, they made money. And I went from $9 to $11 to $15, 18 $30 salary, you know, got a car, got an apartment, 
then got a house. You know what I mean? I got away from prison. I got time in between and I gained something that I could lose. I got my kids that used to be on child support. I got them who they actually work for me now. You know what I mean? And I, I gained a life, but it was like, I had to walk away and put the darkness behind me. And I just had to have the courage to just go after it. And I dedicated myself, you know, people say like, you know, Oh, you gotta, you gotta change who you are. No, people have gifts. You have gifts that you were born with God given gifts. And, and in, in a destructive place where I was getting beaten by five, six, 10 guys on a daily basis, like I rose in that destruction because I was a leader I had that fearlessness. I, I was good at certain things and stuff. But you put me on in business. I take. I, I'm fearless. I take crazy chances. Chances. I risk everything. I go after it. I have leadership. But at the same, then I gain things in business that other people don't because of the risk I took. I'm exactly the same people. And a lot of people. That's the problem. Is they just their environment starts molding them and their talents they start using their talents for the wrong reasons instead of and and it just takes some some people never find their purpose in life but the more that you're able to like you know get off of this level and jump to the next one and look back and say the more levels you jump the more that you understand that every single trial is a gift because you're going to actually learn something so as you keep jumping up you start looking instead of like agonizing, oh, I'm going to go through this horrible thing. You're like, you know what? I'm actually going to come out as a better person. Let me go through this. Boom. And uh, you just got bigger faith. You got bigger everything. And, and that's how you grow. You, I mean, you can't truly be used until you actually experience things, you know? Absolutely. I, I get that bit about the purpose. You know, in very simple terms, it's that reason to get out of bed every morning. Is Give me a reason. And, and I don't know what your thoughts are about this, but even through my addiction, that actually, my alcohol addiction, that actually kept me alive. It, it wasn't very healthy. It wasn't very positive, And I didn't meet my needs in a, in a self-empowering way. But it actually, when, when the, you know, the, the diet are really stacked against you and it's survival, you know, just to get up out of bed and go to the pub and drink myself stupid again and again, the week after, the month after, and lose everything. But the main thing is I was hanging in there because I knew somewhere, which brings in the other F word, but I knew somewhere time, somehow things had changed. I couldn't put, I couldn't put my, you know, I couldn't work it out up here. I couldn't, it wasn't like some, you know, mathematical formula. Oh, you know, this will happen when that happens. I just knew. And that other alternative word is faith. What, I mean, what, what does that word mean to you? Faith. Well, I mean, faith is, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> after prison, you know, I found the Lord and he's completely changed my life. So when I talk about faith, it, 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 it's due to my Christianity, you know, and I always tell people like, like he put it on my heart at a young age. Like I was in Hawaii, like I was street fighting and I, I kept telling everybody I was going to be heavyweight champion of the world. That's an impossible dream for a kid in Maui. You know what I mean? They don't even have like smokers or boxing and, and where I came from. I was just on the street, you know, doing it and stuff. And yet I made it all the way to top rank, you know, because just the right person came and discovered. But later on in life, the big things that we're doing now 
I, I, I know that now I've found my purpose. I know that this was all, this is always what I knew was going to happen at a young age, but my mind couldn't comprehend it. But I, I was like a salmon swimming up. I just was swimming up in the wrong place that I could comprehend. But once I found the Lord, he opened the doors and to the, my true purpose and stuff. So exactly what you just said in your addiction, I totally understand that because even when I was in prison, I knew, like, I just had this thing in me, like something, this is not how it ends. You know what I mean? Like I, this is like, I, I took a turning point in prison. I, I went in, in hoard, you know, but then there's a time where, you know, I actually went through six months solitary confinement for uh, fighting in prison. And, and uh, during that time, that, that relaxed me, got me away from population. And then when I went back out, I was a different person. And I just was like, you know what, I'm going to actually like do all the positive things to get myself out of here. Cause I, I felt this isn't how it ends something's going to happen. I never really understood, but I was so driven in that. And today, like you said, I get it. And, you know, I, I'm so blessed to be able to talk to so many inmates. And, you know, we built, we built a manufacturing school right in San Quentin, right next to the biggest death row in the United States. And these guys have been told that their failures, that they, their families like have rejected them, like life has rejected them, you know? But it's like even on the on the show because we did it on TV. On the show, it's like a document documentary series. But I would just look at them. I say I say, look, <laughs> you gotta leave your past behind. That big old ball, that chain. What you did, you did. But you have to have the courage to break that ball and chain. And you need to understand that you're in a place right now where you can do amazing things. Like learn this career that I'm trying to teach you. And also understand that, that you have opportunities here and, and you are now qualified. That chain and ball that used to drag you down and sink you and, and, and destine you for like a destructive life, now you can now talk to people who are on the same footsteps that you used to be on. People like you just said, what, you know, Paul, you just said like, what would you talk to a young man going in prison like nobody can talk to that young man better than I can because I've walked in his shoes. And when I was in San Quentin and I'm speaking to these guys, I was right where they're at. And now I'm in manufacturing. Now I'm actually making a living off the machines that I'm trying to show them how to use. So there's nobody better to speak to them than me. And I'm qualified because of the negative things that I actually did in my life, which is, is done and gone. So how do you use it in the future? Today, I'm on a podcast with you. You're a guy, you got, this is your fourth, 400th podcast, and you're helping change people's lives because you went through addiction, because of all this. And that is the journey of life that we all, we all blossom in a way. And what was a negative turns into a positive. And that's why I said that you asked me, like, what are the, what are the true, like, you know, things to celebrate. It's when you go through everything and all of a sudden you're on the other end and people's lives are changing because of you and you know where you came from, it makes it that much more special, you know? Using that example of that proverbial young person, and let's make it even younger time. Let's make it even younger than 21, you know, a young person. And 
they're going to come to you and they say, Titan, I keep hearing you say this purpose word. And I've looked it up and, you know, and, and I've, I think I understand what it means. But where do I even start with this purpose thing? How do I find my purpose? Because I've heard you grown-ups talk about purpose. And it's obviously a very powerful thing, light. Call it what you will. But how do I find mine? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a young person. Where do I even start with this? <laughs> and that, you know, I, th I think at a, at a young age, we start understanding what our gifts are. And I think in finding your purpose, you need to find your gift uh, also. You know, when I was young, I was creative. So now I, I make, you know, incredible aerospace parts for, you know, big companies and stuff. But when I was a kid, I used to draw. You know, I used to get by myself and I used to draw and I used to do a lot of art. Like, what would I ever do with that? But that creativity later would enable me to build companies. Um, build a school in San Quentin, build our academy that's like now has 120,000, 130,000 students all over the world, you know? So it's like that, it's the same creativity, you know? So I think that as you're young, you take, take on as many opportunities as you can and you bring as much positive and as much into your brain to like raise your skill level and you just stay and you stay patient and you have fun with life, but sooner or later you'll you'll start understanding what you enjoy the most and 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 not that it just is what you enjoy, but are you truly solving other people's problems? Because when it comes to purpose, if you're not solving other people's problems, if you're not solving a problem, then it's then it's more just for self and it and you have less chances of being successful. People always want to go in business. Well, this is what I love to do. Well, are you solving somebody's problem? Because if you want to make money in this business, you need to be able to solve, solve a problem and stuff. So I think that as they grow and they learn, you know, what that is, you know, what their talents is and, and how to solve problems, I think it just starts defining. And, and it's sad to say that uh, failures in life will actually dictate what their purpose is too because those are the times that he's, they're going to have to actually overcome adversity and become stronger and their learning process will ramp up during the failures uh, more than during the good times because they're forced to learn i just made a note as you was talking there around this word problem one of the things that um i've I've honed in on on more than one occasion is this apparently apparently the thing that we all crave most of as a human being is it time love or money so rightly or wrongly time what I was doing is you was talking about solving problems I'm thinking okay so the world wants either more time more money or more love either one of those three problems if we could let's just play with that word for a moment um, any thoughts on that before we start digging down? Because this, these three fascinate me. Fascinate me. Well, I think that I think that I think that. Well, for me, time would be the least, least of the three. You know, my and, and love, love would have to be number one, right? Because in in my life, when I die how I actually treated people 
and affected lives. That's on my deathbed. It's not going to be like what I did for as a business and how much money I made and all that. Like none of that's going to matter. It's going to be like looking at my children and thinking like, Hey, what did I, did I do my best to them? And, and did I do my best for humanity and, and for my, for community? You know what I mean? So, so that's where love comes in. But a lot of people want to reject money, but then as having money allows you more opportunity, you know what I mean? Like, like you can, you can be like, Oh, I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to feed the hungry and stuff. But if you can't get a plane ticket there, you know what I mean? Like just being, being real money bring, helps with opportunity. It's just how you look at the money that you need to be very humble and need to use it in a way that benefits people. You know what I mean? And, and, mm-hmm. and bring, helps your purpose go up, but then it's all served in love, right? That's, that's how I feel. Absolutely. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, Titan, is it not about the relationship we have with money as an energy? Because money's an energy. I don't know about you stateside, but certainly I was brought up with the British culture and, you know, in the, uh, in the early 60s. Money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. Yeah. It's a resource. It's an energy. It's about our relationship with money, isn't it? The same as it's about our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with source, you know, be that in whatever form um, that may come as. And, and really, in my humble opinion, nobody should be judging that because that's so deeply intimate. But that's it is it's, you know, when we're going into another kind of ballpark here, but isn't life first and foremost about relationships? Absolutely. It is. It's about relationships. That's what's important. And earlier when you asked me when you come out of prison and you come to do different things, I mean, yeah, you, you don't you have to learn, hopefully, before you go through those trials that not to take things for granted and to celebrate your relationships and celebrate, you know, just all of it. You know, I have a I have a pretty crazy story, uh, real short. But when I started my business, I went from borrowing five dollars for gas to get to work to making a million dollars a month within like a three years time span took a built a company on my own and and basically solved the right problems and went from zero employees to 55 employees inside of three years who had had plaques for being fastest growing company in my region in california and all of that and then 0809 happened you know, during during that time, during that time, I was working seven days a week. I had three shifts running. We would run, you know, Monday through Thursday, ten hour shifts, and then I'd have guys come in to run another ten hours, and then we'd work. Then I had a different shift of employees work twelve, twelve, twelve on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and my wife would always be like, you know, let's go do this or do that, and and I'd be like, God. God blessed me with the company and he gave me the work. He wouldn't have done that if he didn't want me to get it done. And I need to be at work. So I was like a workaholic and I was spending my weekends because everybody had their shifts, but I was there every single day. And I was even like skipping church and and all that because I had to get parts out the door and stuff. And then uh, 08 and 09 happened. And during that, at the end, I would, I would lose my house, I'd lose my cars, I'd lose my boat, I'd lose everything material. I, I basically uh, had to lay out 40 employees. Just the 
crazy two years. Part of my entire platform now is serving leaders and owners. And I talk that talk that they understand and I help people compete. And I do every, and I now I do the academy to teach manufacturers. I give everything for free. Everything's for free. But it's because of that that I can do that. I have to go through that experience of losing everything and then saying, hey, nobody's teaching people truly how to compete. But what happened was coming away from that, I, I stopped doing the shifts and I said, I'm going to work Monday through Friday and I'm never going to work a weekend again. And I've kept my promise to my family. So I'm at work. And then on the weekends, that is for my family and it's non-negotiable. And I make sure all my employees have their weekends with their family. I never ask people to come in on a Saturday to work. I don't, I accept work based on like being able to accomplish it, you know? So if I got too much work, then we need to hire people, which is something we're doing now, you know? But it was important for me to get to that place to understand like you can have all the money in the world and then you lose it. And what did it really matter? Like it didn't even matter. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It makes you really think about. So later on, I would build it up and make money, but I just am different now, and I don't, I don't worry about it. I just worry about helping people. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. So, one of the things that I personally focus on in my own mentoring of Titan is this: the stories we tell ourselves. You know, is it one of your fellow countrymen, Henry Ford? I think it was him that said, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> and this whole thing about what are we really telling ourselves? It brings in the identity. Who am I? You know, I, I, I also have a saying about who on earth do you think you are? Because chances are whoever you think you are is not who you really are. And we go on that voyage, don't we, of self-discovery. And so within that, Titan, this whole kind of, and I'm going to play a little bit of assumption here, and we know assumptions can be dangerous, but maybe, just maybe, a story, the outside world might see this guy from America, this Titan, he's, he's done some He's done some time, he was, you know, a promising boxer, and, you know, he's, he's obviously no, uh, he's no softy, he's driven, immensely successful, but underneath beats a heart of gold. And it brings in for me this saying, I know I think we spoke about this a little bit off air. Big boys don't cry, you know, because it ain't cool for a guy to show vulnerability. Get in first, win it all costs and all this kind of conditioning. Any thoughts around any of that type? What There again, what would you tell a young person that says, Titan, I've just heard apparently big boys don't cry. What would you say to that young person? <laughs> you know, I, I, th I think it, I think it has a lot to do with confidence too, you know, like in my life now, now that I'm now where I am today, like with my kids, I got nine, I got, I got five kids. Um, I got my older boys and I got 10 year old twins. They just turned twins, twins. Like God did a miracle in my life and named my kids before my, they were even conceived. And then my twins were born on seven seven so just a couple of days ago we actually celebrated their birthday and stuff but i'm like i'm like the biggest kid you know what i mean so like when i'm at home i'm like i'm just like the biggest kid i'm you know <laughs> i always joke around about like my wife's the mature one you know what i mean but i just i just love life and you know but when i was young when i was young 
if you even look at the videos like on my TV show and all the different through years, you'll see that I went from never smiling to always smiling. <clears throat> that was a transition that took place because when I, when I was young, you always like just have this kind of mean, kind of like, you know, this look. And like, that's like the tough look and stuff. But then it's like, just as I got confidence in myself and I started like, just realizing a little bit more about life and, you know, and just, you know, people. And I just started like smiling more, you know what I mean? So now when you feel almost all my pictures, like I'm always smiling and stuff, but it took confidence for me to be there. Cause when I, when, when you, you grew up in the neighborhood that I did and you go in prison, yeah, you're definitely, that's a weakness. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I would say, I'd say like, you know, go after life hard, you know, love hard smile all the time you know I tell my I tell my daughter I'm like she's very shy like me like I'm you know in my element you know but you take me away I'm, I'm a pretty shy person so she's 10 years old and she's like very kind of tentative like coming into situations and I've just been working on her like be first like be first you know and I every I always like pray over her and I'll say like Gabby like tell me how you were first you know and stuff and first is it can be like something as small as like be first to smile. You know what I mean? Like when somebody's walking up, just be the first to smile, or the first to say hi, or the first to like help somebody or or do different things. So, you know, just trying to like work with my children to, you know, get them to understand that, you know, how you interact and the things that you do and the smile that you put on your face and how you talk to people will set the tone of uh, whatever it is that it's going to be, you know? Absolutely. A few years ago, when I used to go out regularly with the boys when I was drinking, we used to joke about, you know, what would be on our epitaph. And of course, you know, at that age, I was going to say at that age, this was only 15 years ago. Um, some would say at an age where I should have known a lot better, but um, maybe I was not a quick learner. But anyway, that's by the by. But we used to joke, time, and on my epitaph at the time would have been, seemed like a good idea at the time. You know, all the kind of capers and the antics, especially when you're being egged on by the boys and all. And drinks usually got a strong influence in that. But it's interesting, isn't it, how as time goes by, I mean, I kind of almost, uh, I'm certainly not embarrassed to admit that now because uh, I have no shame about any of my past. You know, what you see is what you get. I own it. Am I proud of some of the things? Well, I did what I did at that moment in time. Um, we can't change it, but we can certainly learn from it. I think that's true. What would be on your epitaph, time when that final day comes, hopefully decades and decades and decades from now, but, you know, on that stone that says, here lieth Titan Gilroy, and the, the slogan would be, or the epitaph would be, what? <laughs> well, let, one day I would, well, let me touch on what you first you first were talking about because I think that um like you said it seemed like a good it seemed like a good you know idea at the time and stuff if I could just speak to that real quick I think that it in my in where I am in life now and I look at when I was young and I look at all the things I did and I always say like I was a good person people loved being around me I had I was you know a young charismatic kid that you know could talk my way into almost anything you know what I mean and mm -hmm. and um you know, people liked hanging around with me. But then I, I now I see patterns. Like as an older person, I look down and I see like 
during that day, like you said, like, oh, it seemed like a good thing. I can see patterns like who knocked on my door. You know what I mean? What I allowed, allowed into my life, you know, what they, the ingredients became perfect for whatever destructive event was going to take place, you know? And I think today that those patterns, I've, I've gotten rid of those patterns. You know what I mean? I just don't, I don't go out with anybody. You know what I mean? Not because I don't want to. I just love being with my family. And if, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to take my wife. And you know what I mean? That's, she's a great anchor for me and stuff. But, uh, you know, moving on to the tombstone thing, you know, I hopefully it's something like, you know, risk, risk it all for others, the other people's success, something like that, you know, because that, that is, that is the meaning of life for me. That is where I gain my happiness. I'm so people, not everybody, like people have a hard time figuring me out. I'm just incredibly driven. Like I'm incredibly driven and, and I want to succeed and I want to change as many lives. And, and I'm just, a lot of people just don't understand like that part of me, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's a hard thing, but I, I see that as my life. Like I just want to help change as many lives as possible. I want to make an impact. And then when it's my time, I'm good. Let's go. And I think that's the meaning of life. If I'm, if I'm before the throne later and I'm talking to the Lord and he's like, what did you do? I said, I made a lot of mistakes, but I corrected them. I dedicated my life to you and to your people. And, and I was fearless and trying to help as many people as I can. And, and hopefully you're proud of me, you know? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I want to come to one final big question to sign off Titan. But before I do that, I'd just like to invite you in, if I may, to share your contact details, because you've got an, an amazing amount of free resource out there that you've already alluded to. And to say it's interesting doesn't even scratch the surface. And I'm not talking about necessarily in a manufacturing concept. I mean, I do come from that background to a small degree. My first degree was around, sorry, my second year degree was around engineering. So I understand that. But for me, more important is those messages, those kind of messages that you've shared today, not necessarily about engineering, about fabrications of life. Boy, is that something special to create, isn't it? So I just want to invite you in, as I say, time to share your contact details. So and urge listeners to uh, to reach out, find out more about you. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that, um, so my name is Titan Gilroy. And then my company is Titans, so Titan with an S, Titans of CNC. And, and you can Google that and a lot of it will come up. Uh, if you go on a good place for people to go is just go on YouTube and you can go to Titans of CNC, our YouTube channel. And just like if, if somebody's struggling and they, they, they want to like, you know, watch a video that is just mind blowing and life changing. Uh, there's one that says Titan Gilroy's testimony, and and that's a that's an incredible journey. Or even um, right at the top, you can uh, look up on um, Titan Gilroy goes in and builds the CNC shop in San Quentin Prison. Like if you put my name in San Quentin Prison, there's just a lot of real positive things and stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, for people, I just think uh, it's incredible. You know, I was I got I was an F student, you know, and and now. I have 2,700 schools registered with our academy. So anybody that comes out of prison, anybody who has a son that they want to learn engineering or manufacturing, a, a grandfather as a hobby, 
anybody can actually go to titansofcnc.com. They can go up to our academy, read the instructions uh, manual, and basically go through our tutorials and work with our partners uh, to learn CAD, CAM, and CNC 100% free. And you people learn it on our academy for free, and they go get great paying jobs in the private sector. And it is amazing. And we have a ton of students in England and France and in 170 different countries. In Spain, love it. I was in Germany and I, all the guys from Spain, I was like, ah, and I was like, what's up? So it's cool. It's just a worldwide community. So I used to be in prison and now uh, we're educating the world and giving them uh, ways to take care of their families. It's awesome. It's beyond awesome. It's absolutely it's, it's one of those things, and, and it's you know it really resonates with me personally because, well, I, I won't say why because it, some might deem that egotistical, but it really reaches me inside for so many reasons. Um, the big question then, tight. So I want to go back to this proverbial because within World Game Changers, we're also building an academy where we're bringing young people through, you know, to use an American term, affecting the hearts and minds to show them a better path so that they can be the stars of the future and then they can lead the way for their children, their grandchildren and their grandchildren. You know, long after we're gone, we are the proverbial riverbanks now that's creating this solid, solid infrastructure to allow that stream of youth to flow. And I just want to put something to you, Titan, and it's this. So, you know, I'm, I'm a young fella. Uh, and I'm a young fella anyway, but I'm a young fella, I don't know, teens or whatever. Titan, the world doesn't understand me. I've got something really burning inside me and I want to change this world. I feel angry at times because of the injustices about whatever they are, all these labels of race and sex and, you know, people putting people in boxes and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't like it and it fires me up and I'm going to change it. I don't know where to start. And the world's doubting me. Everybody's telling me I'm crazy, but I know I'm not. And somehow I know that you know I'm not. Help me. What's the first step I take? <laughs> you know, I mean, the first step, you know, you, you talked about like knowing, like knowing when you were, when you were in your addiction that something was going to happen. The first, the first step, I believe, is just, is just believing, right? And making it embedded into part of who you are. You know, um, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to bring a faith message, but like, you know, me, I personally, like, I pray on it, you know, and I, and I pray for doors to open so that I could be of use to uh, somebody. And then for doors to open to give me the skills to actually be on a platform that I want to be on. That might be communication skills. That might be, you know, building, you know, an online platform. That might be, you know, a number of different things. But everybody wants something to happen quickly. But the more that you go through life, you just have to have patience and you have to believe and you have to keep going and be dedicated because so many people fall off. So you, you help as many people as you can during the journey, but you stay consistent and you don't quit. And over time, your message defines itself. I used to think, like, when I had the TV show, like, I used to think, we're the greatest thing ever. Like, you know, like, and I was like, you know, why this or why that? Today, today I'm a different person. I realize 
like I really wasn't that good. You know what I mean? Like I've grown over the years. I've experienced so much things and it has changed the way that I speak. And, and I just have more knowledge because I'm just way more experienced and stuff. So it's hard to tell somebody young, Hey, you got to wait till you're experienced, but I'm not saying wait, just go after every single opportunity to lift up your skills, to change as many lives as possible, but understand the message will change. But if you want to affect lives, you have to stay consistent because it takes time to get to a place. And um, that's the problem with a lot of people that a lot of people face is they're not, is the consistency, you know, they believe something, but then they allow the world to take them in a different direction where I believe like those that are going to be successful, they stay of course. If you're going to, if you're going to train to go, you know, Mount Everest, you're going to put in the work to get there. And, and it takes a lot of training. If you're going to go to a pro soccer or, or whatever, you know, you got to put the work in the same thing with a message. If you truly want to change people's lives and you want to make a difference, you need to look at all the different variables and figure out how to speak, how to, how to do all these different things and, and just take life experiences to make you better. You know, never, never, just never give up the dream. Very poignant. Never give up the dream. It's amazing, isn't it? As we start to come towards a close that, you know, when you, when you boil everything down, those, those few simple words right at the end, Never give up the dreams. Never give up the five, five words. Never give up the dream. That kind of sums it up. Everything that we've spoke about, you know, the passion, the tenacity, the fire and everything is really summed up in those five words, Titan, is it not? Never give up the dream. Relentlessness. Mm. Let's go. Make it happen. Let's have fun. And um, on those words listeners, viewers, let's go. We're going to go now. And Tyne, if I could just ask you to sort of hang around at the end, I'd just like a couple of private words with you about a couple of things. But I want to thank you immensely for this, this rich journey, this, this discussion, this dance, as I call it, of, you know, we've gone all over the place. But, you know, I think for me, at the risk of repeating, it's summed up beautifully right at the end, you know, around... Never give up the dream. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, it was an honor, Paul. And uh, again, congratulations on 400. That's a big number. 400. You, you're, so, you're, you, this was, you, you had me on as a guest, but uh, I'm inspired by you and all that you've done, you know, and where you've come from, too. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. And there we have it, listeners. And all that remains now is to um, is to sign off by saying, well, you know what I normally say, but I'm not going to say it on this one because this one's different. I want to say something completely left field. Five simple words. Never give up the dream, listeners. That's it. Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond?